0: You
1: We are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Eaton. It has been roughly a month since we have sat down and talked, so good lordy, Jessica, do we have a lot to talk about, do we not?
2: We we do, we do. So, so many announcements.
1: Yes. So, first off, apologies for the gap in between. Jessica and I have just been busy as hell. Uh her with all her important business ventures, me going to Vegas and sitting on panels and missing Nick Cage. So <laughs> Um But no, seriously though, we've been we it we're at the beginning of summer, everything just kinda collapsed on both of us, so pretty much it's like can we re- do do we got time to record? No, we don't. We don't. So um but we're gonna give you
2: that was the most that was the most bitter to like And then Mr. Nick Cage. I actually sat next to Chris as a last, 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 last minute addition. Mm-hmm. It was a like robots versus kaiju panel at the amazing Las Vegas Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was an amazing panel. Um, a friend of mine was also at a panel next door, uh, Agnes. She does mm-hmm. my little pony. And apparently at 5 o'clock was our panel yes. on Friday it was both our panels. And then uh, I found out Monday that mm-hmm. Nick Cage was just walking around buying stuff.
1: He went, <laughs> he went to our booth that we had. You sound so bitter. <laughs> because I love Nick Cage. I love that man. I, I love his acting. I love his movies, good or bad. Like, I own a massive Nick Cage collection. Everything from uh, uh, Wild at Heart to Drive Angry and everything in between. I have watched many, many of hours and reveled in the brilliance of Nicolas Cage. So when I went downstairs, my buddy's like, hey, you just m- n- missed Nick Cage. I'm like, yeah, yeah, good one. He's like, he pulled out his phone and showed me. I'm like, son of a – and I I pretty much had that, you know, that moment at uh, – have you ever seen the movie uh, Euro Trip when uh, the dude finds out that uh, he hasn't been talking with a uh, nerdy German guy but a super hot German yes, chick? But do- girl, but yes, but a girl, but a girl, And he does that giant <laughs> no, let, let everyone can hear it. That's what I did and yeah so i was I was slightly bitter and i had to go I had to go drown myself in barbecue and alcohol later that night over the fact that I missed nicholas cage who who not only who not only came by bought stuff came back around right before I showed back up a second time and bought more stuff from from our booth so yeah. My buddy uh, keeps rubbing in my face because he knows how big of a fan I was. He's like, well, you're the one to go do a panel. I'm like, there was no indication that Nicolas Cage would ever show up at this show. And thus, he did. Yeah. And thus, <laughs> yes, I missed out.
2: Did you, did you watch, did you like the community episodes where Abed does Nick Cage? Yes. Is he a good actor or a bad yes. actor? Yes,
1: <laughs> where it drives him insane. Like, when he comes in after watching every Nicolas Cage <laughs> film. And the teacher's like, oh, my God. Like, he's broke. Just, just let him be and he can't get anything out but the the cages isms and he goes through like the entire repertoire of nick cage stuff and he still can't figure out if nick cage brilliant actor or horrible actor so that's uh yeah it's 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 it's, it's a favorite moment of mine that and uh, and uh, um oh troy meeting um levar burton for the first time
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> when uh,
1: yeah when Pierce rubs it, it, yeah when Pierce rubs it in, he's like, so were you like, you know, a, I, so tell me you're a uh, you're a fan of mine. Like, are you a fan of you know reading Rainbow or were you a fan of S- Star Trek? And he's just like, he can't speak because he's so he's like in awe and frozen with fear of you know meeting LeVar Burton. And then they cut to him in the bathroom and he's singing the the. uh <laughs> The Reading Rainbow theme song while he's kind of crying in the stall as he says, beat me up for love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of that.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. a lot
1: of that. I
2: am so sorry. I didn't know whether that was on par with that anger when you missed the Pacific Rim or, uh, or Godzilla no, trailer no, at no. Comic-Con. That was, a,
1: that was a different kind of anger because I was in line eight hours for that. I knew that was there. I almost made it. I was like 100 people away, and I got screwed. This was... This was, you know, like a rare instance of like, you know, royalty passing through unannounced. That's kind of that was so I can't be too angry because I didn't know it was there. And I really I didn't want to go wander the show because my buddy said he was with his family. And I had this role of like if they're with their family, I'm not going to go bug them. And pretty much it seemed like everyone else kind of kept that, you know, within reason. Like, you know, a few there was a few pictures of people, you know, the vendors that, that he bought stuff off of. They're like, Yeah, you know, get a quick picture. But other than that, it seemed like nobody made a big deal until after he left that it's like, Oh my god, Nick Cage was here. So everyone it, it seemed like everyone was kinda cool about it. So which which is kinda oh, nice. I wonder if
2: his uh, his Asian wife was there all of was. all places he was in Vegas, you know, Presley and all that stuff.
1: Yes, no, she was with him and um I guess her kids or both their kids. I don't know what the setup on that one is. But, yeah, because my buddy's got a picture. kal or
2: something? Yeah. Because yeah.
1: they're all, yeah, they were all, they were buying st- all kinds of Funko Pops and stuff like that. So, yeah. And he bought, of all things, a Ghost Rider painting from an artist. I didn't get the artist's name, but, yeah, I was just like, oh, good. He At least he's got, like, a good sense of humor about it.
2: Yes. Yes, he does. I think he paid like five grand or something outrageous for it. Yeah, well, it was like, like an original. A lot.
1: I think it was something the artist brought and wasn't expecting to sell. And then I think Nick Cage was like, "I'll, I'll buy it. I'll take it." So he uh, apparently, from the word was a word around there was he was buying up uh, classic golden and silver age books. So it looks like he might be rebuilding his collection.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Cage, that is true. He is famously. That is. True.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. He's famously a comic book aficionado so I mean he's kind of downplayed in the last few years most because he's had some financial issues because his manager ripped him off but I think now he's at a point where he's like I'm going to get some of this stuff back so oh uh, yeah yeah
2: yeah definitely and I was wondering like I was like I wonder how many people also ripped him off thinking that he's Nick Cage
1: I'm pretty sure there's a few people like that you know because you know they doubt the cage so I'm 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 you know I, I I pity those people but you you know you don't know greatness when greatness is looking back at you so that's their that's their <laughs> loss that is their loss so he's Caster Troy damn it oh, Memphis oh reigns <laughs> Oh, God yes I I yes it's it's saddening and sickening and almost incredible how much I how many. Just it, I've enveloped myself in Nick in you know the the, the book of Cage, if you will. So, but uh, if you want to see that man at his finest and, and one of the most surreal films ever, and him a young spry Nick Cage teaming with a young, not yet horribly deformed William Defoe at his peak, watch Wild at Heart. It is an amazing movie. It is not for kids, but it's it's a David Lynch film. But oh my God, is it so good? I saw that, uh, I a, didn't realize it existed. I went and saw it on the double feature uh, at Edgar, the Eggerite was hosting at the New Beverly like four or five years ago because it, right. uh, it was playing with true romance. So originally Edgar was going to have Quentin show up to talk about true romance. Quentin had to bail. So to make up for it, he had a surprise and he brought in Lord Dern, who's also in the movie. So I flipped out. Because I love Laura Dern, and I have massive love for Jurassic Park. It is in, embedded into my DNA. But the even better moment out of that whole, that whole sequence, because this was in between the two films. So uh, Edgar's talking to Laura, and she's like, this was like 10 minutes in, so it was like it was a nice build. She's like, you know, I didn't want to just be you know just have this about me because you know she's trying to be humble and everything like that she's like and plus what what what, what can i tell you about the movie other than like i had a, a naked scene you know that in the same movie that my mother's in with me so that was awkward She's like, so i brought someone who can actually talk more about making the film and she brought out david lynch who doesn't do a lot of public appearances and there's a am mo- i'm, I'm pretty sure there's a picture of it somewhere I didn't catch it myself because I was in awe I'm like oh my god David Lynch is here but I you you look over Edgar Wright had his jaw on the ground and his eyes bulging out of his head he's like oh like like he had just seen Santa Claus walk through the room and he had no idea he was coming and pretty much it was an hour and a half talking with David Lynch and the most surreal fascinating human being you will ever hear talk and it was awesome. So that uh, all brings back around to how awesome Wild at Heart is. So if you get a chance, if you've never seen it, go find it. You can find I think you can find it on Amazon for like ten bucks or something like that. I own like two copies of it because that's how how much I love that movie. So.
2: Yeah. Oh God, yeah, no, that one I've heard of. I've actually haven't seen that one yet.
1: It's the infamous. Have you ever seen the scene online with um, uh, Crispin Glover eating cockroaches? That's what that movie. That's that's the movie it's from which is oh, yeah it's a, okay yeah and that 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 moment's taken weirdly out of context but it it's also weirdly out of context in the film itself so it's very much something that, that belongs in a David Lynch, you know, production so but it has no right. bearing on the rest of the film at all so um but yeah so enough about Nick Cage it's been hot it's been we it's we're in the middle of a freaking heat wave in southern california uh as we record this it is the last day of june we're entering the gauntlet of conventions of convention time for jessica and myself so uh right now as we speak there are hundreds upon hundreds of foaming of foaming at the mouth of taku sitting outside the la convention center for ax i'm skipping that this year i think you're skipping it too right jessica
2: uh, yeah, I think I'm going to get a lot of stuff done. I would like to go for one day, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to stay. I would, I want to go all the days, but I think I, if I can, I'll go one day. If people have some extra badges mm-hmm. or I'll just stay home and just finish my stuff. Cause you and I actually will be going to G Fest.
0: Yes. And then
2: San Diego comic con. So yes. we want to conserve our time and our energy and our money um, in, you know, in terms of efficiency. Yes,
1: which is where that whole big wraparound was coming to. So, yeah, we will be at G-Fest. We don't have anything planned at G-Fest. Like, I had something, an idea months ago. It just didn't come into fruition, so we're just going to go for the sake of going. So, we will be there hanging out with the rest of you uh, lovely people. So, you see us, eh, come say hi. You know, we'll be hanging out, uh, you know, pressing the flash. I think You'll be there early, won't you?
2: Yes, I'll be there actually starting Tuesday on the twelfth.
1: Yeah, so you're gonna actually go bum around Chicago and like take all that stuff in, right?
2: I will. Yeah. I will. I will be definitely doing that. Um, Most likely by myself. So if anybody wants to join, let me know. Yeah, just
1: yeah, don't don't go to the south side what people have told me. So it's a little shady. Oh
2: no, no no no, no no. I'm gonna go check out Gold Coast and a few Ooh. other places. It's been many, many years since I've been there.
1: I've never been. This will be my first time going to Chicago. This will be my first Chicago G Fest. I, w- I went to the ninety nine and two thousand ones out here. Those are my only my only uh experiences with G Fest. So much like MacArthur returning to the Philippines, I too shall be returning to G Fest. Um ah! so yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to good times. So I won't be coming in until late Friday night though, because just the way, you know, my day job had to work out with it. So I'll be there late Friday and I'll be bailing out Monday so that way I can get one day of rest, which is actually a day of work. And then uh, I will be heading down to San Diego's well with Jessica, which we probably will have something there. Could you say say that, Jessica?
2: Yes. Yes. I do not know whether programs and panels have been announced yet, Mm -hmm. so we don't want to get ahead of ourselves ahead of the staff. Yeah, over at San Diego Comic Con, they usually are announced a week to two. Yeah, but there's before so the actual much, convention. But, so but definitely look out. We we should have something, and um, also you can check us. We'll make an announcement when we can on the Facebook page. Yes, we will.
1: So Facebook and Twitter, stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, well, when that everything's up, we'll have anything. We'll have that out for us. just. Unlike la I might have a few things from last year. I'll bring. But unlike unlike last year, I just didn't have time or money to kind of make up some cool giveaways. So just you know, come hang out. We got some cool people already lined up. Come say hi. We're gonna we're gonna talk some stuff, and then uh, yeah, we might you know we might have a little something here or there. We don't know yet. But uh, if you are in San Diego, if you're at Comic Con, keep an eye out for us. We'll be around there, and you'll definitely be around there. I know you got a few other things going on, so.
2: uh, uh yes, yes. There's we're getting a we'll be doing a lot of press. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely I'll be on other panels as well, um, yeah. that we can announce, you know, I will announce on my Facebook later, but, uh, Chris and I have usually a lot of press work to do yeah. and we, uh, we also have that as well. <laughs> and yeah, I got a, I think, oh, I, for those who are kind of related to Kaiju, I think I got like an interview invite to do Sharknado 4.
1: Oh, yeah, I haven't gotten any Did not yet.
2: see that coming. <laughs>
1: Go. You can go talk to Ian Ziering about his time on Godzilla the series.
2: Ah, oh, that is true. That is true. But also, oh my goodness, Sharknado four. Let's do this.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't get how that took off. Like, there's so much oh, other, <laughs> there's so much other corny crap out there. But that's the thing that, it that's that's the interesting thing. Sometimes it's the dumbest thing that takes off, and I'm just like, all right, you know, hey, you like it. I like some dumb stuff too. So. I'm not really gonna knock it, but it's it's the asylum. They're known. They're not even Roger Corman bad, because at least Roger Corman, in his heyday, gave guys like creative freedom. So even all the bad films that like, like Joe Dante and stuff like that made back then, they there's a love to them, and there's like a certain genus quad to them, if you will. That uh, they you know that they're they're insanely watchable. Nothing the Asylum puts out is insanely watchable. I think that the fact that they just kind of accidentally stumbled onto Sharknado where it was kind of watchable just made it worthwhile. So, because I have watched a few of their films and they are garbage. Like, I'm just, like, I, I don't like to talk ill-will with but yeah, most of their stuff is just horrible, horrible stuff. I, I used to watch, my buddy, a uh, buddy of mine used to work at Blockbuster back when Blockbuster was still open, and Asylum... Took a page out of the Roger Corman book, where Roger Corman would figure out, "Hey, there's a big blockbuster movie coming out soon, so uh, we can homage it as I make you know the finger quotes, uh, pretty much, aka kind of rip it off and get it out before the big film." That's kind of confusing the public because turns out people are pretty dumb, and I know this because this is where the story's going. Uh, the asylum did, would do this, so say uh, there was Transformers coming out 4th of July weekend you know 2007 they would put out Transmorphers June 26 on DVD yep. and I would yep. stand there Tuesday I would I'd take my buddy to I'd drop him off I'd go in I'd go peruse because at that point in my life I was buying DVDs like a crack junkie so I'd look at what's in the dollar bin you know every once in a while I'll find I'll find a few treasures and I'd stand there and i watch as my buddy would roll his eyes and someone walk up, hey, is this, is, you know, is this Transformers? He's like, does it say Transformers on the box, dude? He's like, this is Transmorphers. I was wondering if it's the same thing. It's like, so if it says Transmorphers, how could it be Transformers? Oh, okay. <laughs> the, 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 the joy of it, though, the beauty, the ones that I would be there, the, the ones I was rarely there to see, but were the best. They were the absolute best. So I think the, the the big one was um oh I am legend came out. And so they did a knockoff called um uh This is Legend, I think. It was with Mark DreCascos. And pretty much it was the same premise, you know, but it was more zombies than faux vampires. And so someone rented it. They came back that day, as my buddy explained, after this whole whole thing went down, I'll explain. So he came back, dropped it off, and he was pissed. He was just angry. I think mean, he's like, my buddy turned around, I was like, can I help you? He's like, um, yeah, you want to tell me what this is? He's like, "Uh, this is the movie you rented. It's like, no, I rented I Am Legend. He's like, no, you didn't. You rented This Is Legend. Where's the Will Smith one? It just came out in theaters like two days ago, dude. Do you really think it's going to be on DVD already? Well, then what is this? This is the stupid knockoff. You were an idiot that you were dumb enough to rent. So that's what you got. Oh, I thought it was going to the Will Smith movie. He's like, "They don't come out the, they don't come out on DVD the day they come out in theaters, dude. It's always been that way." Well, I, like he was flabbergasted like cuz he pretty much put two and three together like, "Oh, I am I I I am this stu- That the I am that idiot that fell for it because I didn't read properly." Like Hey, don't eat rat poison because it's poisonous. But it was in there in little in little words. He didn't follow it, so he went home. He spent three fifty on renting. This is Legend with Mark Tercaskos. By the way, he was a fantastic human being? I've met that man on several occasions. Great guy. Go watch um, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Fantastic movie. But this his outing on this not so great. And this poor fellow fell into the trap of asylum. And uh, thus, they got their dollar because he had already rented it, so they get their money from it. So, that's how they work. And that's how stupid people can be. They don't read, they just assume, and then they go home and find out that it's not Will Smith, but Mark Dracascos in, you know, Valencia somewhere, with a, uh, a camera crew that has a filter on to make the, sc- the, the sky look dark, and a bunch of dudes uh, in horrible makeup effects with some crummy CGI running around for 90 minutes. In a story that makes absolutely zero sense, because he needed to get his pool fixed that week, so he needed the paycheck.
2: You know, Asylum also has other really amazing films. They have, as it pertains to our podcast, Atlantic Rim. Uh, they <laughs> had a Sherlock Holmes. They had a mega shark versus mecca shark. Yeah. And a mega shark versus like a giant octopus.
1: Oh, they a- have.
2: All kinds of all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah, they got Shark versus Colossus, which they just ripped off Attack on Titan for. Oh
2: uh. yeah, yeah they they had they had all kinds of things.
1: Uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I'm waiting to see if um, uh, Adult Swim gets back to me on on uh, on anything for this year. Or so I'm curious as to um, because speaking of Comic Con. We know one Kaiju related thing that is going to be there besides you know us, that is uh, Legendary will be bringing in uh, Kong Skull Island.
2: Yes, it is, and people are waiting to see. I mean, obviously footage, but mm-hmm. the triumph of Return of Tom Hiddleston.
1: Yes, and whether or not he'll be there so, for Loki. Yeah. Will Will he be in Loki mode for the uh, for the Marvel panel? the uh, odds in vegas are very high on that like he might show up again so cuz this might be the last year that marvel does anything at comic con cuz they definitely won't be there next year because d23 is literally a week from comic con next year so all the big goody stuff will be there uh, at d23 instead so
2: will it be will it be the same week or the week before and after i just missed it'll, it.
1: it it'll be the week before it's one week before so that week before comic con
2: well, that would be the same
1: week as um, G-Fest. Sadly, it seems that it would be. Oh no! Yeah, Sophie's Choice time. No, no. Because <laughs> D twenty three is pretty awesome, but G-Fest is G-Fest, so it's like, ah, uh, so much to choose from. So, but yeah, we will probably see the, and hopefully, we'll get like the first trailer for uh, for Kong released out soon afterwards online. So. We more than likely will probably see way at, you know what the design for Kong will be, you know, whether you know he'll look anything like uh, they, they're gonna you know add or subtract anything to him. I mean, he's a big gorilla, so there's only so many ways he can go. But you know, I'm I'm very curious about this film because it's just it was it's Tom toll's passion project, like he for like the last ten years, especially after. Um, Acquiring Godzilla, like he's always like, hey, I always want to do Kong, Kong, Godzilla kind of so. And this is the start of, you know, this is the middle of the trilogy that they're going to do to build towards King Kong versus Godzilla. So it'll be, uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see where this goes and whether or not they're going to tease anything else for Godzilla two, which hopefully we might, maybe we we'll get a uh, director name there. I'm not holding my breath on it, but. There's always a chance, something. Um, But, yeah, the bigger thing we might get, though, is uh, one Pacific Rim 2, Jessica. And uh, since since we've been gone, there's been quite the movement on Pacific Rim 2, has there not?
2: Yes, there has been. Pacific Rim 2 has had, I think, like two or three, actually, announcements related to it.
1: So, would you like to cover those real quick? Uh, explain to the good people what they are?
2: Well, the new, well, the first one that everybody really liked was uh, John Boyega, as mm-hmm. we all know, from yes. Star Wars, Force mm-hmm. Awakens, has been casted
0: mm-hmm. in
2: Pacific Rim 2. Yeah. So, there was a lot of, like, speculation when they first casted him, mm-hmm. but pretty much everybody was like, okay, he's going to be Idris Elvis's son. Yes. But then, you know, I mean, I'm fine with it. It's mm-hmm. great. But then you also have a lot of haters that are already like, "Well, he was never mentioned in the first film, but there was really no need to mention a son no, there in really the wasn't. first film."
1: No, he could have been. So... You know he could have been, you know, a, uh, a child out of wedlock. He could have been, you know, estranged because of his passion for killing kaiju's was so high that he could not make time for his family. So yeah, there there, there there's a lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of stuff there. As uh, someone on the Internet has been calling him now, uh, not Boyega, but Boyager, which uh, I kind of like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which uh, also, the, what's the other, and leading into that, what is the other bit of news, Jessica?
2: Actually, the movie debuts very, very close. It's a 2018 release date, mm-hmm. very close to another special co-host, uh, birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris's birthday. I believe you said it's like the day before.
1: It is literally... It is exactly the day before. So, I know what I'm doing for my birthday weekend. That'll be my 34th birthday. So, that, the uh, February 23rd, 2018. So, right there in that kind of Deadpool-y spot. And the only thing that's got going up against it is Black Panther, which comes out the week before. So... There's, uh, there, there's a lot of good and bad on that. I think coming out in February does help a lot more instead of coming out in the middle of July. Um, I thought, you know, the original... When it was originally announced they were doing it, I thought August, when they were going to do it, was fine. But, yeah, now it's it's been March. It's been August, March, April, and now back to February. So I think, yeah, earlier in the year, the better. So not only that, but they'll be riding the coattails off of um, Star Wars Episode Eight too. So... John Boyega will be uh very deep in a lot of the people's psyches which I wouldn't doubt that there will be a trailer in front of that for uh f- uh for this said film. So yeah. Uh, right, the the, the right. boy the boy's going places. I'm really I'm really happy because uh I thought he was excellent in his uh one of his early films called uh, Attack of the uh Attack the Block. Did you ever see that?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yes. I did.
1: Horribly underrated film. Uh, I believe co-written by Edgar Wright and, and at least produced by him, um, and he's he's the main st- he's the star of the film. It is fantastic. It's pretty much a, you know, a, a a a tower block in London or in England somewhere being invaded by these super like the best way to describe them is alien gorillas. That's the that's the best way I can describe them But they are so awesome and unique looking. They're just oh, it's so great. So, there, there's a lot of people, even after Star Wars, are like, oh, where, where, where'd Finn come from? I'm like, he was in Attack the Block. I have no idea what that is. I'm like, now you need to go, you need to go find it and go watch it. So, any of you who have not gone and watched that film, that's your homework tonight. To Go watch it. We'll support that boy. Because he's going places. So, he's more than just Finn now. So.
2: That is true. More than just Star Wars.
1: More than just Star Wars. And then uh, late breaking, did you hear the other rumor coming out for, uh, out of uh, Pacific Rim 2 today, too?
2: Uh, no, I did, I did not. I did not. I've been running out and about today.
1: So nothing confirmed yet, but a uh, certain uh, offspring of Clint Eastwood is being eyed for a major role in the film as well. Oh,
2: it's Scott Eastwood. Yes. Right. Scott Eastwood was eyeing to, like, may have a part in the film.
1: Yes, Possibly as another yes, Scott Eastwood. That
2: one I did see. That yes. one I did
1: see. So yeah, that's the other latest. Thing. So it's it's everything's everything's coalescing together. It's coming up. We're gonna get. And look, if anything that we have learned from the past month about uh, international box office is that uh, a hundred and fifty million dollar movie could tank here, but it really doesn't matter because China will eat it up with a spoon and fork and gladly go back for more. So, I mean, Legendary pretty much had a big rollout with, with um, Warcraft. Came in second to The Conjuring 2, which is an R-rated horror film. I think it domestically it's only made like $40 million, which it has a price tag of like 140 or something like that. So, yeah, it's not making its money back here in America. Uh, China, in like five days, made its budget back in then some. So I think uh, right,
2: four hundred and twelve point two million dollars. Is that what
1: it's sitting at right now? Yep. In China?
2: Yep, just with China. It,
1: God, good lord. Which then someone had to sit down and explain to me why Warcraft is so popular over there and they explained um what was it? There was I forgot the term for it, but that you could lease out your character to gamers in China to build up your character and you pay them and then you get your character back all leveled up. So they're doing all the hard work for you and then you go off and gallivant, which blew my mind, but then also it kind of made sense too. It's like, oh, no wonder everyone's kind of like hooked on that game over there because they've been working for it for the last 20-something years now. So, yeah, of course. But it also shows that China loves spectacle too. They love it. I mean, it beat out... I think the highest grossing foreign film there last was the last Fast and Furious film Um, so yeah China China doesn't care they love apparently they love spectacle and uh, if you have uh, if you got spectacle you got a winner so I mean Pacific Rim did I think 300 million over there in China so yeah even if it doesn't even if if it dovetails out here it'll probably do very well in China and I mean the, the prediction I think there was a there was a box off. there was a like a industry prediction that China might be in, by 2018 or 2019 will be the leading box office um, uh, contender for worldwide box office like it won't even matter now if your film does like 200 million stateside it's a matter of will it do well in China so and,
2: uh, oh, it is, and that's the second largest economy in the world. Oh yeah. So yeah. it, I mean, if you looked, if you watched uh, Mission Impossible Five, yes, uh, the last one with Tom Cruise, and you watched the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. you will notice in the beginning mm-hmm. there are uh, production companies from China. Oh yeah. It's because they know that they're putting their money in here <laughs> yeah. to make things. You know, just to get their money. Well, I mean, the, they know that Hollywood is the place
1: to go. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's also things. It's, it's not like China's been cinema starved. I mean, they were one of the uh, especially well. It's a tricky area with Hong Kong, um, but at least in that region, I mean, they were they were a, a major powerhouse in in filmmaking for a long time. They still do put out a lot of uh, a lot of movies. There's still a lot of, uh, of films that come out of China, so. And, you know they're not. There's there's a few that've been coming out that have been of questionable quality and or taste, but uh, there, there's there's a, a long, steady history of great cinema that came out of that country. So they they do like their movies, and when you got a billion plus people hanging out, they need something to do. So, and here's the thing: they they love the stuff that everyone out here is poo pooing, like uh, this like Warcraft. Everyone was like everyone seemed like they could not. They could not put out a review fast enough to talk smack on that film. And it seems like every other movie that's been coming out, the, the biggest thing I saw was for Independence Day 2. I don't know if you got a chance to see it yet, Jessica, did you?
2: Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch uh, Warcraft, no.
1: Okay, what about, did you see uh, Independence Day Resurgence?
2: I did not see Independence Day Resurgence yet.
1: Okay, <laughs> Oh my
2: so, god, I know I'm behind.
1: Yeah, uh, I, it's you're busy, so... Uh, I saw I saw Independence Day Resurgence. I as a, I was twelve when that first movie came out, so I loved it. This one was I was I, when they first announced I'm like, it's been twenty years, do you really need it? And I was sold by the commercials, like, oh okay, this makes sense. Sat there, watched it, loved it. Freaking loved it. I loved every second of it. Because it's a it's a big B style film. It knows what it is and it runs with it. And there's a lot to love about it. Yet everyone everyone online just couldn't wait to rip this movie to shreds. Like, it is the worst movie, of the summer's worst movie of the year. Like, there is no way in hell this is anywhere near the worst anything. Like, look, yes, it has a lot of wacky ideas. And is it an Oscar winning film? No, but it sets out and accomplishes oh, yeah. what it sets out to do. There is a moment towards the end, Jessica, where the, the alien queen comes out of one of the giant ships. And it is the size of a of a skyscraper, so it's rushing towards Area 51, which is now a tech hub. There's a bunch of high-tech alien, um, alien-human hybrid fighter jets fighting this thing. It has its own shield, right? And it is carrying a massive gun, blasting these things out of the air. And Jeff Goldblum is running from it in a school bus. I was in absolute ecstasy. I was like, yes, please, more of this. I freaking love it. And not only that, but the scene was exceptionally well made. Like, it was, like the CG, everything it was in broad daylight. Fantastic. I dare declare, dare declare that possibly Roland Emmerich's best film since Stargate. And uh, that's high praise for that man because, uh, look, he knows what he does. He knows who he is. He knows what what he's been doing, so... Uh, kudos to him because he he and Dean Devlin made something insanely insanely fun. Yet everyone was just like, "Nah, it's crap." Move on. What's, what's the next thing? So I get a feeling that China will probably eat it up too. You know why? Because they like fun. That that seems like that's what they like. So good on them because they're taking the stuff that apparently we're too good to have now. And uh, I say nay nay to all of you people who think your your tastes are so superior that you can't enjoy. An alien invasion film for an hour and a half. So, bah to you, I say, bah. So, uh, all right, uh, I'm getting real ranty. We, uh, forewarning, we are going kind of long with this episode because it will be the only episode for June. So, uh, strap in, people. It's uh, we're we're nowhere near done yet. So, uh, Pacific Rim. Hopefully, we'll get something for at Comic Con. Uh, but it's looking real good. So. Can't wait. Can't wait. So, it's going to be a fun birthday weekend. So, right now we got Kong in March. We got Pacific Rim in February 2018. We got Godzilla 2 in 2019. And then we got King Kong versus Godzilla in 2020. So, it's going to be a great next five years. Oh, so much good stuff. So much good stuff. Um, let's talk about... Uh, let's see what else we got going on here. Ooh! So, uh, we got a few trailers uh, I kind of want to delve into. Uh, first things first. Jessica, did you know that there's a new Ultraman series coming?
2: Uh, I did. Uh, however, I was not able to see the trailer until like maybe like a couple days ago. But I was reading about it, and I heard about it.
1: So. Yes. So, it is the uh, 50th anniversary show. It's called Ultraman. Yes.
2: It is. Yep. It is.
1: Ultraman Orb, and much like everything else in Japan, when it comes to an anniversary and it's something Toku-related, we must pay homage to that that came before it. So, uh, Ultraman Orb, as it's uh, a- as it is, the gimmick of the show is that uh, Orb can combine two Ultraman powers. So, say there's um, there's Ultraman Toro, and uh, uh, Ultra Antiga. And then you would combine the two, and then have both powers. So Subaraya released a full trailer for the uh, for the show, looking awesome. S S playing in the background right here. Sorry, uh, the effects look great on it already. I love there, there's this bird dinosaur monster that he's fighting, and
2: yes, there is. The, that suit is freaking amazing.
1: Ah, it's so good. Which um, it, I got I give it like uh, X had a uh, a great like uh, first uh, first monster villain before they went and recycled every other monster suit they had laying around, which I guess keeps costs down. But the few that they do make nowadays, that fantastic. Like th- I, I can't wait to buy a figure of this of this creature. Like I I I've been waiting to buy a uh, what, I think it's called Jamaga. I think that was the name of the X monster. I need to get that, and I need to get uh, the um, the uh, the Dark Ultraman. Um, oh, I'm blanking on his name, but the evil Ultraman when he turns into the giant um, kaiju at the end of uh, Ultraman Zero, the film. They made a figure of him. I need to get him too because love that design. So, Orb actually starts, I think, in like two weeks in Japan. Um, hoping I haven't heard. We haven't heard anything yet, but hoping that uh, Crunchyroll picks it up and simulcasts it again that's just a hope I, they haven't announced anything they do great times but if not I guess I'm going to have to find other means to watch it because I really enjoyed X did you ever get a chance to finish it?
2: I did I did What,
1: what, what I really
2: really enjoyed it
1: you did? did you?
2: yes
1: alright yeah so it's yeah it's been a solid time I heard uh, I haven't watched uh, is it Jinga Ginga? Ginga? The uh, the the one before X, I heard mixed things about that one, but there was some you know cool I guess ideas that I thought were introduced in X that were actually introduced in that show. So I do like the idea of like the human host kind of floating around in the null space, p- kind of like helping control Ultraman. Like that's something they never really kind of delved into before. So that that was kind of cool. But I do like the idea that we're gonna get a bazillion and one Ultraman figures out of this show alone, just because of the gimmick of it. So, it's going to be good times. Good times indeed. The thing I'm, I'm curious about, we never heard any follow-up to that CG uh, trailer that Super I put out. So, I don't know if that thing's still going on or not. To talk to somebody about this. Eh, some people might know. But, uh, no, can't wait for Orb. I'll have the, um, I'll have the trailer in the show notes. But, yeah, Orb looks fun. Looks real fun. Looks like good times right there. Uh, the next trailer is for a film called uh, Giant Monster Mono so this is from a, uh, a gentleman uh, named uh, Kawasaki Min- uh, Minoru I believe I'm pronouncing that right uh, he is a uh, director who made a few I like to call them uh, suit comedies uh, where he kind of they're, they're really abstract but they're they're really good So, one of his first features was a film called The Calamari Wrestler, which was about a squid that goes into wrestling. And he wrestles actual wrestlers. It's a dude in a giant squid suit. Like, literally, he's walking around. People are acknowledging he's a squid. It's a big squid costume, but he's a legitimate six-and-a-half-foot squid. And he goes out and suplexes guys left and right. It is fantastic. Um... So he does stuff like that. There was another film he did called Executive Koala, in a world where everyone has a giant animal head, and uh, it's kind of the best way I think I could describe it is American Psycho meets koalas. So that's the, yeah, it they're they're oddball wacky comedies. So um, I also believe he did uh, the the um, the uh, what is it the. Uh, Gilala film, the fall of the monster Act strikes back. I believe that was one of his as well. So he's coming back with a new film called Giant Monster Mono, which uh, the trailer is nothing but one massive homage to like classic Toho films. Except, uh, of course, it's purposely it's made on a low budget. It's supposed to look kind of like look kind of schlocky. and the gist of the film is a giant monster. Arises from the ground, starts terrorizing people. So scientists create a formula to inject into a uh, into a uh, human to make him giant to face off against Mono. And the person they inject, yes,
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the person they inject is uh, former New Japan Pro Wrestling star Koto Ibushi. And the first like five seconds of the trailer is him doing all these awesome wrestling moves to it. Uh, to to Mono so he's power bombing him he's giving him a bulldog he's doing like all these like kicks and I lost my mind because it's pretty much two of my worlds that I love coming together I love Japanese wrestling so much and uh, Kodo Obushi is actually he's no slouch he's actually a fantastic wrestler Um, he was part of New Japan for a while he had a match with a man by the name of Shinsuke Nakamura at uh, Wrestle Kingdom 9 which you can watch online. Like, that match is all over the place. That is one of the finest wrestling matches I've ever seen in my entire history of watching professional wrestling. And part of it is because Japan doesn't... They don't They don't screw on. They kind of take it kind of seriously. So, they, it's not WWF style where there's, like, a lot of goofy storylines and stuff like that. They're like, okay, this guy has a title. I'm going to fight him for it. And that's pretty much it. And then they go out there and they beat the crap out of each other. Oh, it's so good. So... Uh, Koto left New Japan. He got hurt, so he left. He's starting his own uh, smaller group, but he's also going to be coming over to America this summer. Um, if any of you watch professional wrestling out here and have the WWE network, he's going to be part of the Cruiserweight Classic. So he's uh, um, he's I think the thirtieth member of that of that tournament. It's a single elimination tournament for cruiserweights. So if you watch if you watch wrestling and you don't know who this guy is. Go look him up. He's amazing. With that note.
2: Yes. You actually get to see, you get to see, you know, the wrestler fight a kaiju just Mm -hmm. wearing traditional Japanese wrestling clothing, Mm -hmm. which is literally just, you know, a banana hammock, (laughs) as I would like to call it. Yeah. And that is it. I don't know what the weather is like in that (laughs) fictional world, but it must be pretty warm because he's just, Fighting, just wearing almost no clothes. <laughs> when you're, you know,
1: 150 foot tall, I think shame goes out the window. That is true. Mm-hmm. But the whole, the beauty is the whole opening of the trailer is cut with a score that sounds like the Sato score from uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, which just put me over the moon for it, too. So this looks like just a good, fun time. Like, will be had by all. I, this I can't wait for. Um, part, again, it brings together my two favorite things in the world. And uh, the fact that it's Koto Ibushi, who is a proclaimed kaiju lover. He's a massive tokusatsu nut. In fact, um, when he loved New Japan, he came out uh, WrestleMania weekend to Dallas, where WrestleMania was. Uh, usually every year, wherever WrestleMania is, a ton of other smaller professional wrestling groups get together in the area because everyone's in town for WrestleMania. So... There's a group called Kaiju Big Battle. Some of you might know it. Pretty much, it's uh, wrestlers go out. They get into a ring with a bunch of cardboard cities and buildings and stuff like that, and then they fight each other in it. Very professional wrestling style, but they're all in giant. They're all in monster costumes. Kotobushi didn't appear at any of the big federation shows except he showed up on nxt is like kind of like waved at the crowd pretty much saying like yeah i'm gonna do the cruiseway thing he showed up at kaiju big battle because he's like this has been one of my dreams is to come and wrestle here and thus he did and tore down the house it was awesome so pretty much this is you know just it i don't know the the eight-year-old in me is just giddy as hell about this about this uh about this film and plus it look it's, I don't know, it's just so cartoony and 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 just out there that I love I love you can give me a movie that's really weird it has a lot of wild ideas but you can kind of pull it off i'm I'm in on it a one hundred percent so um in fact I because I love calamari wrestler too so this looks like it's it's gonna be all that and then some so oh okay i, I got to... Get myself nearly an aneurysm kind of going on about that one.
2: No, that's fine. <laughs> this is like, it's passion.
1: It is passion. There's so much good stuff. Finally, the last one. The last one, interesting. This is this is a doc that i uh, I've shocked it took this long for someone to make. Um,
2: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Chris and I were just talking about this off-air right before we um, – we, were fil- uh, we filmed this I mean we're recording this
1: Yes so um, What is it who's putting this out I believe uh, yeah, Magnolia Pictures So um, putting out this documentary it's called The Lovers and the Despot um, You know what Jessica I'm going to allow Please explain to the people What this film is And how it ties into our little world
2: well actually for those who do know that there is only real North Korea really only produced one kaiju film which is Hogasari. Mm-hmm. Hogasari. I I'm so sorry if I like pronounce it wrong. But um and it is a kaiju film that they made mm-hmm. that Kim Jong Il thought it was amazing. However the people who made it were not his people from North Korea. He had at the time and I am not going to butcher their names but if you look them up you will know it uh they were south korea's greatest i would say like hollywood film like power couple mm-hmm. so the wife was an actress and the husband you know was the director so i'm believe- trying to think of an equivalent right now in america at the moment however what they did is he knew like he wanted to make films as amazing as like all the American films He has he had over like 15,000 films That mm-hmm. he just absolutely loved and watched And then he controlled what his people could watch
0: mm-hmm. And so
2: what had happened was How do you get the man mm-hmm. To take his woman mm-hmm. So he kidnapped him and his people Kidnapped her, the actress And then kidnapped him afterwards And they went through the most horrible They were like tortured He had to go through kidnapping they were. He was trying to brainwash them And tell them how great North Korea was All this other stuff he forced them to make... Both of them basically worked together, and they made 17 films. But the most famous one was this one, uh, Pogasari, and it was a kaiju film. Mm-hmm. And so when he saw it, he mm-hmm. felt it was a masterpiece. The the dictator, Kim Jong, not, not, not the director yes. and the actress. Um, he thought it was a masterpiece, and they were able to convince him to have the film shown in Vienna.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And while they were in Vienna they literally did a duck and roll out of a car ran like they they just took off Mm -hmm. because you can't run in north korea there's nowhere you can go you're getting shot uh i've heard i've i have friends whose grandparents have escaped from north korea and it's it's very difficult it's very hard so to convince them to go outside of the country to show it at a film festival was actually really smart or to show it outside Mm -hmm. of you know like where where do you go when you think your film is amazing you go to America England and like Italy and like France like that's where you show your films is that those festivals and so when they went to Vienna they took off running Mm -hmm. they got they have like a open window of opportunity and they went to the US Embassy and they they told you know obviously introduced themselves you know, so what happened? They were kidnapped, and of course the U.S. Embassy took care of things from there on, and then they were free after that. And, this was- and uh, they, had some, they had some crazy-ass interviews. Mm-hmm. Like even in 2003, I think they talked to, I forgot which publication, like maybe the New York, I'm not so sure which publication, but it's mm-hmm. one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. And th- there's many interviews, like afterwards, kind of how they've dealt with life after they've escaped.
1: Yeah, so it's it's a fascinating story. Like anybody that knows the story of Pulgasari knows this story. And it's been one of those things that's like kind of known about. Like uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker briefly talked about it when they were making Team America World Police. They brought they brought up this very story about how Kim Jong-il, you know, kidnapped this director. His name is uh Shing-Shang Oak, ok. I believe that's it. I'm I
2: Yeah,
1: I'm I'm trying not to butcher it, but, you know, white guys saying Asian names kind of sounds a little racist sometimes. I apologize. And then the actress is uh, Choi Eun-hee. I believe that's that's how it's pronounced. So, yeah, they brought up those they brought up they brought up that like how Kim Jong-il kidnapped this guy and forced him to pretty much work for him. Because Kim Jong-un, like, here's a thing. Here's a weird thing with modern despots and uh, megalomaniacs. They love movies. They love movies. Um, I believe Stalin was a big movie lover. Adolf Hitler loved films. Like, he was enamored with Hollywood. Like, he loved the idea of all. He was all about Hollywood. Like, I I don't think there's certain aspects of Hollywood he was in love with, but he liked the idea of movies. I believe that famously he stated that King Kong was like his favorite movie of all time too like before everything went down I think that he mentioned that in like an interview or something like that but uh, like even Saddam Hussein all these guys love films they love them uh, I believe his son st- has the same kind of affectation for films that his father did too um but yeah Kim Jong-un famously huge love like almost saw himself as a director himself um so, oh, yeah,
2: oh, yeah, there's famous there's famous photos mm-hmm. of him, like, behind the camera, mm-hmm. looking like he's a director.
1: Yeah, I mean, in order to manipulate people, you almost have to have that kind of sensibility, too. So, I mean, there, there is something to, you know, keeping, you know, in a nation, you know, washed in, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, fiction. So, in, in in a weird, weird, sad, horrible way, he was almost, like, making his own film, like, in real life kind of just dictating how ironically dictating how 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 it went along but no he was very much like like these films he made this this couple do were all propaganda films too all about how awesome north korea was i mean if you watch pulgasari which the, the big thing that, that ties into it like the special effects crew from toho went out and did the effects for pulgasari they uh, um the i think they were i think this was around the same time the return of godzilla was being made so they went out there. Yeah. Yeah. So they went out there. because Yeah,
2: a lot of – yeah, the wife and the crew were falsely lured saying that they were going to China. Mm-hmm. And that's how they ended up kidnapped, them and some of the crew all the way to North Korea.
1: Yeah, and then I think they asked some of the Toho staff to go out there, which there is interviews with, with a lot of the Toho staff where they were real – I think they were, like, real antsy about going out there as well because <laughs> – yeah, the Korea and Japan don't really have the greatest relationship with each other, and you figured that if they, they're they're not they're not rocky around with the good Korea, they're probably not even rocky around with the with the, uh, the the lesser Korea. So, um, yeah, no, but besides that, it's a fascinating story, and I again I'm shocked it took somebody this long to actually put together a documentary because they've been they've been gone they they escaped what almost thirty years ago now, haven't they?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It's been yeah. well over. Th- I think it's
1: well over thirty years since they escaped. And I believe, yeah. I believe the director actually went back and remade Pulgasari as like a kids' film, like out here somewhere. Like it's there. There's a version of it that he remade, almost as like a big, you know, screw you to, to Kim Jong uh, Kim Jong Il. So, but yeah, it did, So there's going to be a doc about it again. It's called The Lovers and the Despot. It comes out September. 23rd, on in theaters on demand and on Amazon Video. So, if you got Amazon Prime, you can watch it. So, I know what I'm doing that day because, yeah, I this is one of those. It's like every time I read about it, I it just it's engrossing and it's just like I you it's almost a movie in itself. The fact that it's like this is this was real life, but it seems like someone made it up. Like, it's you can't believe it actually happened. So, I'm so glad that someone actually did put it together and it looks riveting I can't wait so that's I I like how you were
2: like every time I remember the story I'm like there's an academy award winning film there is an academy award
1: I'm shocked nobody has taken this story and dramatized it because there is an academy award and this is the kind of thing the academy eats up they love this stuff and it can be done so well If if it's put in the right hands this, this would be the movie, like, if you want to give Clint Eastwood so, this would be a movie I could see Clint Eastwood making because these are the kind of films he likes making. Now, some of his films have been kind of iffy in the last few years, but I think he could knock this one out the park. Like, this is that kind of story that he's really good at telling. So this, I would, I would I, I, I'm shocked. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that after this documentary comes out because usually that's, that's the M.O. with a lot of, like, his you know, historical fiction films that come out. That once there's a doc, someone's like, "Hey, there's a movie in this," and they can get, you know, dramatize it up a bit and stuff like that. I, I wouldn't doubt there, there, there would be one soon after. Like someone will see this, like, "There, damn it, there's a movie in this." And if not, I'm shocked no one has tried it yet. I don't know if there's ever been one in in South Korea about it. I'm pretty, I wouldn't doubt there is. Um, don't quote me if someone's yelling, it's like, "There is, goddamn it, there is." I'm like, sorry, I, I don't, I don't know at the second. So. But, uh, it, but yeah, no, just like, especially now that, Il, that Kim Jong Il's dead, like, that would be the hammer down on this. These people are still alive. They can tell this story, you know, it complete like, you, you can probably get a great, you can definitely get a great film out of this. And, uh, the beauty is, too, it's like, either <laughs> anybody that complains about whitewashing, there's no way you can whitewash this thing. So, uh, it's it, it oh well, yeah. well the
2: u.s you know that there's gonna be a part written yeah. based on a character that doesn't exist oh, yeah. but he's gonna be a guy that works at the u.s embassy yeah and it's probably gonna be played by a you know American actor um and he takes a much larger role than actually what happened
1: yeah well that's what happened in Argo too you know same thing happened there so there's a lot a lot of that stuff gets Based on, whenever you hear anything based on, don't take it as a verbatim. It's not that. It's always going to have some embellishments. And then you know what? You know what you do? You go online and you read about it. You learn, you expand your mind. And uh, yeah, you you take in something you didn't know and you find out something. It's like, oh, okay, so that's what really happened. And you know what? Then you're a better person for it because you went and you did the work and you found out about it yourself. Good on you. That's what people should do—not walk heavily. Oh wow, that really happened, and then have some, you know, s- uh, the third-person party just kind of shrug their shoulders and go, oh I don't know. So we live in the age of Wikipedia. People, look it up. So, but uh, *Lovers of the Despot* cannot wait. So I'll put the trailer in the uh, in the comment in the uh, the the, uh, the show notes. And Jessica, perfect segue as we we're talking about the uh, crew of *Return of Godzilla*. A.K. Godzilla 1985, that film's coming to the U.S. finally.
2: Yes, yes it is. It is.
1: So, um, Kraken Releasing has announced that they will be putting Return of Godzilla on Blu-ray and DVD later this year. It'll be released on September 13th. Now, for people like me, this was their first Godzilla movie. Kind of. Because this is the film that Roger Corman's New World uh, Pictures picked up and made into Godzilla 1985. So they're not releasing that version because that is still locked up in a, a massive tussle of rights issues. Guess what's not locked up in a massive tussle of rights issues? The original Japanese cut. So, which is much like the original Godzilla movie, is almost an entirely different film. Because there was a lot of stuff cut around to really make the Soviets look like a bunch of uh, jackasses in, that, in the American version. But that's the height of the Cold War, so that's what you're going to get. Um, but we're getting Return of Godzilla for the first time ever in the North American release, and to be honest, I've never seen this cut of the film. I've only watched 1985, so I am excited as heck to see it, and it's cracking. They put out a few good things, so they uh, they actually put out the um, the, uh, the 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 versions of uh, Godzilla vs. Hedra and and Gigan with the kind of the fancy looking boxes on them. So, this is just another one of their repertoire that they are releasing. So, good good times on that one. Um, did you ever see the original version, Jessica?
2: I did. I did. And so I look forward to the, uh, the Blu-ray.
1: It'd be nice to have something, a version kind of filling in that gap where 1985 is missing out of it. I got like 19 VHS copies of 1985, not one DVD. Not one. Um, one other thing I kind of want to touch upon before we go into, like, the uh, the finish of this episode because we had something uh, other big to talk about. Apparently, there's some shenanigans going on with Godzilla Resurgence stateside. Uh, apparently, the New World Cinemas uh, company might have fibbed about them uh, releasing Godzilla Resurgence stateside. And. hmm uh, there's, so now there's no clarity whether or not anybody actually has the American rights to the film. Uh, we know that Toho screened it for potential distributors, and then when the first trailer came out, someone pointed to these guys, and I think they just kind of ran with it, thinking that maybe they could, you know, scoop it up. And uh, uh, pretty much, it didn't think it, they didn't get it. So, so pretty much, uh, yeah. So it, it's. Um, yeah, actually, they put out. Yeah, they are not releasing it. So right now, nobody's got, uh, got, got the rights to Godzilla Resurgence. So which comes out in t minus twenty nine days, as we're talking about, as we are speaking.
2: Yeah. And so uh, it's that that's that, actually that comes out, and also that's another really interesting piece of news. And also, I didn't know if we were gonna touch upon the. I saw it actually, the VR game. Yes Or Godzilla as well Yeah well So you got Blu-ray t- You got VR Godzilla is going through All kind of technology upgrades
1: Well tell us t- Tell us a little bit About the VR thing real quick
2: Well it's basically what, I mean from what I understand What it is It's it's a game mm-hmm. That I believe If I remember correctly Will be at It's, it's going to be a collaboration Mm-hmm. Right, and it's an attraction that yes. kind of celebrates uh, Namja Town. Oh my God, I just totally uh, butchered that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, Namja Town's 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I believe it's only for like two months. I think it starts like mid July, like July 15th, and yes. goes until about September 25th. A little over two months, mm-hmm. and it's it's going to be at a theme park. Yeah, so it's an augmented reality or VR. Um, attraction at a theme park, mm-hmm. and if I remember, is it Godzilla Attack Go Force G Force?
1: Yes, I believe that is yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, That's... from the yeah from the Shin Jira, Yeah, and it's actually going through Namco's invasion. So I thought it's I it, it's a collaboration campaign mm-hmm. uh, to celebrate mostly <sighs> uh, Namsha Town's twentieth anniversary. Yeah. So what I find really interesting is kind of. How well the uh, augmented reality is going to be well because yeah. when when not done right <laughs> it is not good
1: no I mean you've you've I mean I'm pretty sure you've had a few of those um oh what are those headsets called uh, why am I blanking on them the VR headsets uh,
2: is it Google nope. uh, Google up op- the oh my god
1: you know what I'm talking about though not right? Peripheral. The one that Facebook Yes, bought? I do. I do. Yes. Uh yeah. Blanket on my Oculus? name. Oculus? Oculus Rift. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, the Oculus Rift, um, which uh, you've had a few on. You've you tried a few out already, right?
2: I have. I have.
1: And what is your experience with those been?
2: You know, they're okay. I think one of my main issues as well is I don't have contacts. I actually wear glasses. hmm So there's definitely a little bit of a problem. For those who wear glasses, because you have to fit something over that. Yeah, and um, sometimes it works really well, and then sometimes it's a little bit kind of quick in movement. So those who are very, very, very easily uh, motion sickness, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't know if this is for you.
1: No, and here's the thing. I mean, the last few Comic Cons, I've I've hit up uh, Oculus Rift has been all over the place. Uh, this has been something that this company's been trying for, like, at least the last three and a half years to get out on the mark. I think they're out now. Uh, but, pretty much, yeah, I mean, the, it's much like James Cameron and the push for 3D. It's like, 3D's gonna be the future. Like, we did it back in the day, it was kind of hokey, but now this will be the next immersion experience. The problem is is that we took a while to actually get really good 3D. Like, when Cameron was like, Avatar's gonna be it, it's like, eh, it's cool. Now we've gotten, like, I think we've getting close to perfecting it. Same thing with the uh, the VR stuff. Like we've talked about that for like years, like virtual reality. There was we made movies about it. There was Lawnmower Man, we had VR Troopers, which was pretty freaking cool. And then uh then we had Virtual Boy, which uh if you're not old enough to remember Virtual Boy, count yourself among the among the lucky. If you are if you're old enough to remember the unmitigated disaster that was Nintendo's Virtual Boy. Oh. You realize that virtual reality was a long way off. So, um, yeah, it it's not quite there yet. Like, all the stuff that I've seen with Oculus Rift so far has been... Mm, okay, I didn't get to do the Jaeger thing at Comic-Con because there was, like, a 50-hour waiting period for that thing. But they did say they were going to release it with Oculus Rift. I don't have $400 to buy Oculus Rift. So, but the stuff I did see was, like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like, you move your head around, it's full 360 experience. It's just like the graphics were never quite there yet. And now this past E3, Sony announced, Hey, we're coming out with a VR headset too. We got all kinds of side games you can actually buy for it. So uh, the one few, I think the one game you can actually play all the way through with this thing is the new Resident Evil, which is the first person. And then they got a Batman game coming out. Did you see that one, Jessica?
2: i did i did see that yeah they were i mean e3 definitely showed a lot of trailers and announcements for vr games yeah because it's reality yeah. game Because is
1: sony's new thing this year like it comes out in october it's an extra 400 bucks and you need the move sticks and like the batman thing alone they were like yeah you can play you play as you are batman you go around snapping necks it's like cool the game's <laughs> like 40 minutes and that's it it's like oh okay so, <clears throat> look, we're kind of on the precipice of, like, is this going to be the next thing? Are, are kids these days going to want to sit with a headset on their head for four to ten hours going around doing same terrible, terrible things I cannot repeat on this podcast to each other as they blow each other up? I'm not sure yet. I'm pretty sure one day it will be, but, yeah, it's not great. The, the Godzilla thing looks kind of cool. It's got its moments, and I think you actually – Fight back in it by throwing fireballs at Godzilla and beating him. Kind of like that little. Remember that little ball? That little Godzilla game that had like a little chibi Godzilla and you shot ping pong balls into his mouth?
2: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of, it's very. It's like a virtual reality version of that, it almost looks like. So, okay. Let's, let's give it a few years. See what they got, you know? It's, it's, it's maddening that. It, they can't really it seems like people can't really crack the code on like a good Godzilla game experience like there's been or, or great let me rephrase it. a great Godzilla game experience there's been good Godzilla games and then there's been some really mediocre ones uh that's that's a you know that's a show when, when mark comes back in we're gonna talk about the Godzilla games because he's got a cachet of games and he's he's uh, pretty knowledgeable he floor he schooled me on the gamma one so kudos mark very kudos. So we'll get him in. We'll talk about video games uh, once we get back from from all the shenanigans. Because uh, that that lucky mother, he's going to Japan and he's going to be watching Godzilla Resurgence. So you bet your bottom dollar, we're getting him in to give us a, like a, a play-by-play version of it. So um, so yeah. So Mark, you're listening. Be ready because you're we're gonna we're gonna poke every little bit of information out of you. He knows it too. Oh my goodness. He knows yes, it too.
2: We will have so many questions from uh, Mark. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, it's going to be good times Good times are going to be had by all Alright, well <clears throat> I would end it there But We have something One other big thing that happened While we were kind of on break And we did talk about this On an episode a few months ago And I've now that it's out there We can finally talk talk about it And Jessica, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes
2: Yes, it is It came out on June 10th And yes. I did not go anywhere that weekend
1: Yep no. We are talking about Voltron, Legendary Defender, and I uh, don't like to pat myself on the back a lot, but I'm doing it right now. That this truly was not the Voltron series we needed, but the Voltron series we deserved. <laughs> God, it was so good! Oh, damn! Jessica, I, I, I. There was, there was nary an episode where there was not one single like Indian trash on the highway tear that rolled down my cheek on just how... just I'm like, I this is a wonderful future I live in, where I have this Voltron series, finally. And it was so good. So good! Oh, God. <sighs> Hold on. I'm getting the vapors from just how awesome it is. I gotta lean back for a second. <laughs> Todd, please, explain, oh my please goodness. explain to the good people how awesome it is.
2: It was actually really, really awesome because for someone who's always liked, who've always liked Mm Sven, called Shiro Mm -hmm. in this, uh, but I'm still going to keep calling him Mm Sven. He was in what I like to call, um, well, in one version he died, in another version in the 80s, he just was in space hospital for what seemed like. Seasons. Yeah. Um, he comes back, and he is actually the leader of Voltron. Yes, he is. Uh, and he was he was a very good leader, obviously goes through some things. I mm-hmm. don't know how many people got to finish everything, so I was like, we're, I don't know how much spoilers you don't, look, we can go through.
1: Look, here, let's do this. We're a month out already. The show's not 14 hours or anything like that. It's barely seven and a half hours. So I'm going to assume most of you probably watched it. If you haven't, shame on you. And this is towards the end of the show. We're re- We'll... We're going to go into spoiler territory right now Because you know what I'm not going to sit back and tiptoe around Some of the greatness of this show Because I want to go full bore in. So again If you haven't watched Voltron Legend of Defender Just shame on you Go If you don't have Netflix Get the $8.99 package Go watch it Bask in it Rub it all over yourself Smell it Love it (laughs) Then come back and listen to the rest of this episode if you don't care, continue forth. If you have watched it, sit down because we're going to talk about it in depth right now. So, moving forward, full spoilers for Voltron: Legendary Defender. Jessica, please.
2: Take um. It yeah. Like, I really liked. I really liked how they addressed Pidge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pidge's uh, sexual sexual. Gender. I was yes. going to say sexual orientation, but that's no. actually not true. No. Uh, gender. Yes. Uh, which was something, uh, growing up, to me, Pidge is my favorite and Pidge is a boy. Yes. Um, in this series, they address whether Pidge is a boy or girl, and then you find out later on, you know, spoilers, she, she is a girl. Yes. Uh, but there is, but there is, is a
1: baseball. reasonable explanation for the whole thing, too.
2: And they have a reasonable explanation. They didn't do it out of like shock factor. They no. didn't they didn't make a character gay to be gay. No. They actually had a really, really great story. If you I, you know, from what I think, if you actually look at all the characters, including Princess Alora, mm-hmm. everyone is of a different ethnicity. Oh, they are. Because Hunk is not Hunk is not Hunk is like olive skinned. Well Pitch, I mean, Keith is some sort of HAPA Asian. I don't know what's happening Keith right is there. Always, he's, you know, Sven he's, he's, is one. Lance Lance is, Lance is white. Yeah. Pidge is possibly white. Yeah. But Allura is, you know, she's, well, she's an alien. Yeah. But she's got a little bit of darker skin. She is not one of the lions. She's not one of the paladins. Nope. But to make up for that, she pretty much just has her own castle ship. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, lion, castle ship. Well,
1: well here, they're both pretty dope. Yes. Here's the thing with that, which a lot of people, when when the episode where they reveal Pidge is really a girl, which they were hinting at like a lot even in that interview we sat in on they uh the voice actress yes, yeah. she kinda was like, Well there's some things we can't talk about I'm like, oh, what what they doing with Pidge and then there was a lot of like maybe Pidge is a girl and they're like talking about doing all this trans thing. It's like no she they're doing the anime trope of the um of the girl pretending to be the boy to get in somewhere and get something. So the, 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 the background of page is that her brother and father were on the mission with Shiro and they disappear so she she goes into the uh, the uh, galaxy garrison to find out what the hell happened because they said their ship crashed, their ship never crashed because, spoilers they got abducted by the Gala which are the uh, drool empire uh, in uh, Voltron in the Japanese counterpart they're called the Gala so that's what they called them here on this one so uh, when, uh, so when she gets kicked out by one of the uh, high commanders, she's, they're like, make sure she never shows back, you know, he makes the proclamation. make sure she never gets back on this base again. So what she does is that she cuts her hair, dresses up like a boy, and changes her identity. We don't even know what her first name is either. Wait, Pidge might still be her real name, but it's pretty much kind of given that like that's not her real name. So we just got her last name and that's it. But Paige pretty much is undercover trying to figure out what the hell happened to her dad and brother. And thus gets into the shenanigans with uh, with the rest of the Voltron Force. So, and the reveal the reveal episode is pretty cool uh, because there's there's two reveals to it. There's one where after the initial fight with the Gala and the first Robeast they, uh, they're on planet uh, Aris with uh, the locals who are no longer humans. They're These adorable little lizard people who do the dance of forgiveness. Which was great. I loved it. Um there's so many oh god, there's so much there's so much avatar isms in this show. I just it was beaming with joy with it. But (laughs) so they're having like a big mixer and the Voltron Force was kinda like, you know, kinda pressing flesh with these people and so Laura is you know, they're in the castle and she's overlooking everybody. And she has a psychic connection with the space mice, which I know is the main thing Jessica was looking forward to out of everything on the show. Oh, my God, he
2: appeared in the first episode, which was an hour long. Everything else is 22. The space mice are cute as heck.
1: And they're all, like, their own individual little, like, before they were, like, you know, just multicolored. Now there's, like, the one big one that's got, like, the Brock eyes where they're always closed. And then there's, like, the little tiny one, and then there's, like, the medium one who's kind of, like, the more... So she's talking with the space mice about the Voltron Force, and they're going on about things, and, like, they're talking about, like... Because they, they observe everyone, so they know secrets, and so they go on... So it's a, it's a, an adorable scene where they're squeaking, and she's like, oh, yeah, eh, yeah, I guess that seems like Hunk. And then they do something which seems like it might... It, they, The joke... I don't think I can I can really repeat it on this show, but they're... Uh, the, the mice make, like... Uh, when they're talking about Lance, they do like this move, and then the mice picks up its tail and swings it around, and the princess lashes out and rolls her eyes. Like, yeah, that kind of seems like Lance, which I think is alluring to, like, kind of like his man whoreish ways that he has about him. And then, yes. yeah, which was, I think it was a real subtle, super subtle joke. That's what I saw into that. And then, uh, then they do the thing with Pidge where the one mouse makes, like, the real lovey eyes and everything like that. And it was just this wonderful, this whole wonderful scene where the princess is interrogating Pidge. She's like, "Is there anything you want to talk to me about? Just anything?" Kind of like really, like laying it on because she doesn't believe the mice. Because there's a scene when she's looking at Pidge. Pidge is like stealing all this food and then takes like this poker, puts it in his ear and sniffs it. It's like doesn't seem very ladylike at all. And then kind of the next episode, they reveal that yes, Pidge is a girl, and they go into the whole thing about it. Thus, thus, keeping, in in turn, the balance of Voltron Force. Four dudes and a girl, at all points. That's how it should be. You got four dudes, one yeah. girl. That's, that's how it all works out. That's how it evens out. I'm co- I, a lot of people were like, hey, turn Pidge into a girl. I'm completely fine with him turning Pidge into a girl, because Pidge alone, like in the 80s series, talks like a Muppet, and was very androgynous to begin with, just the way that they drew him anyway, so... And uh, little known fact in the American series, they made his brother one of the members of the Car Force Voltron. So I don't know if they're building to that. I really do hope they are because they have uh, mentioned certain things in interviews. So there's much to look forward to. But we digress. There's much more more awesomeness to talk about this show. Any other bullet points on your end, Jessica?
2: I mean, there's so much good stuff. I I do think every time Sven was fighting or Cheryl was fighting, yes, I was waving my fist in the air and was like, "Don't do this to me, mm-hmm. Lauren and Joaquin, don't do this," um, because it's basically- you know he has unfortunately not a very good fate no. um, on the show. But for this one, it's okay. Yeah, you know, I was very very suspicious of his arm. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, it's going to be an idle hands up in here. Yeah, I don't. I did not, but you know things are okay. Mm-hmm. And also, a lot of my friends who are fr- uh, fans of Lance didn't really like the personality change with Lance and Keith, well, because Lance was always the better pilot. Yes, Keith was the leader, but Lance was the better pilot. Yes,
1: and they kind of yeah they switched that around where Keith is the better pilot, and Lance is. More, Lance is a
2: ladies' man.
1: Lance, well, Lance was always a ladies' man. There was always. There was always a love triangle going on between Lance, Keith, and Alora. Like there was full episodes dedicated to them, yep. like, showing up each other, trying to, trying to win over Alora. And there would be there was times where oh she played both of them like a fiddle, strung them hard, and just plucked them clean. So they uh, they're 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 not really playing because the beauty about th- the wonderful thing about this is that the whole series runs like a big movie. So they pump uh, there's story after story. There's really not a lot of downtime for character moments, like you know when you're doing eighty episodes. Yeah, you got a few, you got a few episodes where you can really filling, like some of those lesser episodes where there's some character moments. This one is only technically eleven episodes. It's the first one's an hour, so it counts as the twelve. So you you're pretty much getting to the point. And there's there's a lot of like there's the beauty is that they they paid homage to. All versions of Voltron in this, but still made it their own. <coughs> the The pilots having the psychic bond with the with the lions, which is from the Image comics, great. And the, I like the fact that not all the lions were on the same planet, like they were in the original cartoon. Like they had to go around Aris Arison finding, like they come across the blue lion on Earth, and then they had to go to like a like another. They had to go to like four other like. Uh, um, They'd go to further planets to find the rest of the lions, and then it wasn't like okay, cool. Like in the first Voltron, they get in, they get the suits, and they're like, all right, cool. We're automatically piloting these things. It's great. And then, hey, Robeast, Beast, form Voltron, pull out the sword, and like, eh, how, how? even as a kid, I'm just like, how the hell do they know how to do that? They had a whole episode dedicated to that. That was all of episode two. Jessica it was like, how in the hell do we form Voltron? And guess who? Guess what? There's hardly any Voltron in it, but it's, it's a whole episode. It's great. And who, the MVP of this show is Koran. Freaking love that guy.
2: Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty good. I was really excited. Like you got to see kind of how, when they're in Voltron, Mm -hmm. the different, um, the different ways that they kind of tap in and kind of get larger weapons. I'm still waiting, still waiting on a flaming sword. Yes. Hasn't come yet no, for those. Th- th- also, I knew I knew the moment Princess Alora was, like, trying to tell Shiro, like, I don't know what happened to your weapon that's unique to you, but the last Black Paladin had it. <laughs> it was lost forever. I was like, you son of a gun. think I know who has it. Yeah. And it's, like, all revealed in, like, the last episode. Yeah,
1: it turns out. Yeah, because the last episode was actually called the Black Paladin, and you're, like, well, for me, I was kind of like playing dumb with it. i just like, is it? And then it's like, oh, oh, it is. Oh, they went there. And yeah, it turns out Zarkon was the original pilot of the Black Lion, and that oh my god, that episode was all over the place, but it was so great. The fact that Keith, well, a Keith was not even the the main. He's not the main focus, and uh, like he has like his like they they rounded out these characters beautifully. I think. Hunk and Pidge get more screen time than anybody else out of the whole show. Like, Keith is almost like a background character in half the episodes. Uh, but he gets this shining moment when he takes on Zarkon on top of the ship, on top of the Doom ship, in the Red Lion. Like, Zarkon takes on the Red Lion and just hands Keith his ass to him on a silver platter. I'm just like, they are not screwing around with this thing. It was awesome. And then there was that moment where I, I I could see, like, a little, like, version of Jessica. Like, she would be out of Teen Titans when Shiro's fighting uh, Hagar. And she slashes uh, uh, Ishiro on the side, almost like in the, uh, the original show. I'm just like, oh, are they going here? And I could just hear you all the way from Pasadena yelling, no, because that's kind of what happened. So, I know yes. Yeah. The uh the end of where someone sabotages the ship, but we don't know who yet, and sends the rest of the Voltron force like spiraling off into like different sections as they're going through like that warp drive. Got a feeling it's gonna be Lotor. Because they have not introduced him yet, so it's gonna be oh god, I can't they haven't announced season two. They, and they left it like that. I'm just like, no, you sons of bastards, you can't do that to me. You can't leave it off like that where it's like all this heavy stuff just went down. It's like, yeah, that's the end of season one. I'm like, no, no, no. You, boom. You, you, oh. Don't leave me hanging. Like, some closure. I want a little bit of closure.
2: You know, I, I understand cliffhangers, <laughs> but the last episode almost didn't feel like Uh, It didn't feel like a season finale episode. It felt like there needed to be one more episode after it. Yes. And then make that one kind of the season finale. Yes,
1: so much in so many ways. Like, if yeah, it did feel like it's like, this is, that's... No, no, there's an episode 12, right? It's like, no, that's it. That's where it ends. Because it said, hey, you watch this. Now watch Bob's Burger. I'm like, that's not the same thing, Netflix. It's not the same thing. So, but uh, everything about the animation... Fantastic! The fight scenes, amazing. When uh, Ishiro fights Sendak, oh my god, it's a great moment. All the the, the here's the thing too. There's only two row beasts in this whole series too. They didn't. It's not like the whole series where it's like, hey, just keep throwing out a new one. Like there's the the the, the, the gala are not the pushovers that the uh, drools were. They uh, they are actually you know they're hard and they are not screwing around. They made Zarkon, like, a real, like, badass to be contend with. The The fact that the team is, like, still fresh and new, and they are, like, way out of their element works a lot. The, you know, there are moments when they're still, like, you really see how they operate Voltron individually? Like, when uh, like when uh, Lance is like, I'm going to do a kick, and they're like, no, we didn't. Last time we tried that, we flipped over, and he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. And you see, it, almost you see him take over Voltron for a minute, so he can do that one giant jumping kick like those those are the great things about this and not only that but it's the animation was beautiful and i lo- absolutely loved the design of Voltron i loved all the new weapons they gave him i absolutely loved that the fact that the wings pop off and turn into a shield that was amazing the sword like each yes yes each yeah. each lion has a weapon so the you know the red lion forms the, the sword which isn't yeah as you said it's not blazing but it's still a sword Hunks comes out with a giant freaking cannon. I, fr- I don't think Lance... They showed Lance's yet or not. I don't believe that they did. I think we still got to see Lance. I, I don't believe that uh, we saw Pidge's either. So, and then there's going to be the big thing of whether or not Nishiro um, ever gets back the, uh, the paladin weapon from Zarkon or not. See what the hell that unleashes too. So, but oh, so freaking good. When they're fighting the uh, the gecko monster on the uh, the, the living pl- on the living planet, and uh, just ah, oh. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of I'm getting flimpt just talking about it. It's so good. It's so good, Jessica. I never thought I would live to see a Voltron series this well done, this good. Like it's it's completely like it's made up for almost 25 years of disappointment.
2: I know because you know I love the originals, but yeah. also some of it just doesn't hold up. No,
1: it doesn't. So, I up. mean
2: don't keep it fresh in your mind and always love the nostalgia. Don't go back and watch certain things. Yeah,
1: it. Yeah, if you go back and watch a lot of the episodes, they are horribly. Child- like I went back and went back and watched the uh, the the season three final, which was the original ending to Go Lion, and uh, it's where. <laughs> Yeah, We're Sven's brother in the original series. It's Sven's twin brother that shows up, and he's after. Yes, yes, it is. He's after. He's after Lotor, even though Lotor's not the one that killed him. It was Hagar, but he's after Lotor. So in the uh, in the American one, it's like, oh, Sven shows back up. So Sven's not dead. Yay, kids. Yay. And so Sven's fighting Lotor. So at the scene, at the at the end of that moment, at at the end of the episode, Sven tackles Lotor. They go diving. Over a like 400 foot cliff down into water there's a reaction shot I believe from the forest mostly Alora who go who gasped then for absolutely zero reason and setup whatsoever we cut to a submarine and then guess who's in said submarine it's Lotor, proclaiming he will be back Voltron force and sw- goes off into the distance undersea. and I'm like what the hell like I, I I as a kid, I never saw that scene. Even if I was a kid, I've been like, that makes zero sense whatsoever. That is like the most—it is the most la- It's the laziest editing I've ever seen. But it was like, I know what was going. 1983. Since someone's like Peter Keefe is sitting in editing bay, like we can't show these characters dying because we're commissioning a four-season out of this, and we can't really show these characters die on TV. So what do we got? And they've looked around. We got this scene and this scene. All right, put them together. There you go. Ending. It it is the laziest thing you'll ever see as to a character r- walking or tiptoeing around a character death. So yeah, the nostalgia's there. It's it, it's great. I love Voltron. A lot of people are like, well, it's not Go Lion. Like yeah, look, I'm not. Go Lion has its thing. Go Lion was even that big in Japan, I believe it was. It didn't even do well enough to. Th- it did. It did. I believe it did poorly enough that World Event Productions actually bought the rights to Go Lion, so they can keep making Voltron over here. Voltron was much bigger over here than it ever was in Japan. <coughs> so, I love Voltron. That's what I love. Car Force, not so much. But main one, yes. So, in the two other attempts at Voltron been horribly disappointed and now I finally got something where I can go back and watch it over and over again and I am I I'm 8 years old all over again and it's just bringing me more joy than any drug could ever do so alright and if you want to hear me rant more and more and more about it I'm actually doing a podcast about Voltron um, called uh, the Rundown Voltron Legendary Defender with my buddy Eddie Delworth so we went on a verbatim about uh Avatar and Legend of Korra so and since this is kind of the spiritual successor to both those shows uh, yeah we'll have a lot to talk about on that end too Um, I've ranted so much Jessica I feel bad anything else you want to add to that
2: (laughs) okay Um, there's really no I mean just to round off since we talked about all kinds of space mice and cuteness There's a wonderful company called Kaiju Kitties out there, Mm -hmm. 100% Soft, I believe is the name of their store. (laughs) They have amazing plush kaijus that are also kind of hybrids with cats, Mm -hmm. and they're so adorable. So if you have a young daughter or a young son, you want to get them into kind of the kaiju world, and you want to kind of goad them with toys, that would kind of be the way to go. They are really, really cute.
1: Yes, uh, Jessica sent me a picture. I'm going to put in the show notes of her in front of the uh, in front of the Kai- the Kaiju Kitties, uh pavilion. So, because uh, you went to a cat show, did you not?
2: I went to CatCon LA mm-hmm. over the weekend. However, I do. I've had both in the past. I've had cats and dogs, and I think kittens are so cute. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, however, for those who know me. Chris knows this already. Mm-hmm. I'm a dog person because yes. I have like five dogs on a good day.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, being a dog person wearing a dog dress going through a cat convention was pretty amazing. I got a lot of really like sweet, sweet people. And then, some people that if you, if Webster's Dictionary could define cat lady, it would be a picture of that person with a very mean sound clip. <laughs> and it was. Yes. That, that was my CatCon experience. But I found a lot of really cute cat things so mm-hmm. or kitten-related things, and they were really cool. Actually, somebody, like, wore – someone came wearing a Voltron outfit.
0: Oh. Hey.
2: Which I thought was actually pretty amazing. And someone didn't know what it was. Like, I heard someone say, like, oh, is it Power Rangers? He's like, no, they're lions, and lions are cats, big kittens. Mm-hmm. So the person was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Can't can't say no to that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause you know, they're basically large kitties.
1: Yes, they are. That they are. All right. Well, I think that's about everything we had on the list of stuff to talk about. Am I missing anything, Jessica?
2: No, I think we're, I think we're pretty good.
1: Okay. So to reiterate, we will be at G Fest in a few weeks. So, uh, this will more than likely be the only episode between now and after G Fest. Um, if I have anything in the 24 hours I'm home from G Fest to going to uh, Comic Con, I will I will put that up. But this will probably be the only. That's why we did this episode a little longer than normal. So uh, do please just hang in there with us. It's just this is the busiest time of the year for us. So we will have uh, we will have more a lot more after uh, after Comic Con. So, uh, but until then, we hope to see you at G Fest. And if we don't see you at G Fest, we hope to see you at San Diego Comic Con. So, uh, on that note, Jessica, where can the good people find more of us on the interweb?
2: Uh, for more on us, mm-hmm. or for more on where actually I will be.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I got it out of. Con- I went completely out of uh, order on that one. Please tell us where can they find more of your work first.
2: Um, you can actually find more of for for me. You were actually, if you would like, you can feel free to Facebook me mm-hmm. at uh, Jessica and then T S E A N G. Mm-hmm. Definitely, please <laughs> Facebook inbox me first, so I know it's not some rando just to yes. kind of be like, oh, you know, we heard you on the Kaiju Kingdom podcast or. Mm-hmm. We saw you and Chris at a convention. And from there, you can find links to all the other things that I do. I you know, I run a com- the Comic Book Girl, uh, Girl on Geek, Little Geek Girls. I do a lot of different websites as well. So that's definitely where you can find more of my stuff. Um, for our stuff, which would be, we have a wonderful Facebook page. The Kaiju Kingdom Podcast is always constantly updated. Mm-hmm. Thank you to... Uh, thank you to Chris who does a lot of that and also it's the same on the Tumblr and also on our Gmail however on Twitter we are just the Kaiju Kingdom Yes, uh, there's not enough characters they had a character usage limit we couldn't stick in the word podcast
1: no. and uh, we will be updating thoroughly from both um, GFest and Comic Con on those as well <clears throat>
2: So, oh, yes, yes, definitely.
1: So please do follow us from there. So, all right, well, that will do it for this extra large edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast for myself and
2: me, Jessica.
1: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.